Welcome to the Eden Podcast, where we think again about the Bible on women and men, and we start with a correct understanding of what happened in the Garden of Eden back in the beginning. The work of the True 316 Foundation is based on the research of Dr. Joy Fleming, who wrote the book Man and Woman in Biblical Unity, Theology from Genesis 2 to 3. Listeners like you are joining us as members of the True 316 Foundation and support the work to true the verse of Genesis 316 and the seven key passages on women and men. It turns out, when Genesis 316 becomes clear, all the other passages become clear too. You can learn more at our website, true316.com. That's tru316.com. And at the end of this episode, we'll tell you about a special gift we have for new members. And now, Enjoy today's episode of the Eden Podcast. For season 11 on the Eden Podcast, we're going back in time and playing audio that we've never played for you before. I was doing a private Zoom series of sessions with a number of students, and I used PowerPoint slides that I referred to as we went along. You can see these presentations in full on our YouTube channel, I'd love to have you subscribe. It's simply True316. That's T-R-U-316. And now, let's get started. We're going to be talking about seven key passages on women and men. And the wisdom of this whole series is that when Genesis 3.16 is correctly presented from the Hebrew then all these troublesome passages go away. So we have to figure out what Genesis 3.16 says. Ever have to think again in your own life? Where we live in Minnesota, quite often we say, it's spring. And after a while we have to say, "Mm, maybe not. Until the next time we say, it's spring, and then it's uh, not so much. Why think again? Well, there's seven related passages. They have one common root, and they all have to do with the first chapters in Genesis. How many times have you wrestled with a passage and you wondered and you felt a little bit uncomfortable? Well, it's probably because something went wrong back in the Garden of Eden. The passages that are linked to misinterpretation of Genesis 3.16, we are grouping into two sections. There are the marriage passages, and we'll be working our way through that in the first four workshops. And then there are the ministry passages, and we'll be spending part of next year looking into that. Here are the marriage passage topics. Genesis 2 and 3, think again about Eve. There's so much to talk about with Eve that we'll just think again about her. But then we'll have to come back again because there's an awful lot we will have skipped And so we'll look at Genesis 2 and 3 again to think again about Adam. Let's take a moment right now and think about this. If you go through Genesis chapter 1 and you get down to near the end of Genesis chapter 1, we have God who says, let us make humans in our image. And he makes man and woman or male and female. Where does Genesis chapter 2 fit in with that? Well, Genesis chapter 2, verse 4, all the way up through the end of Genesis chapter 2, is kind of like a a parenthesis or a detail that you can stick back into the end of Genesis chapter 1. And so we have the details of what happened on day 6, starting about noon, 
going into the afternoon, and we have the steps that God went through in day six. So I don't have it listed here, Genesis 1, but it's part of Genesis 2 and 3. So we'll think again about Eve. Then we'll think again about Adam. And as far as marriage passages are concerned, we have to think again about 1 Peter 3. A relative of my wife's kept bothering me. She said, you know, I really like the studies that you've done, but I'm bothered by when Peter talks about Sarah and talks about weaker vessels and talks about your prayers being hindered. And so I took time off and went back and spent a long period of time studying 1 Peter 3. And I'll just give you the advance notice here. I've come to believe that Peter is talking to us in seven key verses about what happens when a Christian is unequally yoked to a non-Christian. This is the one passage you can go to to talk about witnessing to an unsaved spouse. In that sense, and only for as long as they're unsaved, is that person the weaker spouse? Here's the ministry passage topics for the second half of our session this year. First Timothy verses uh, chapters 1 through 3, thinking in about church leaders. What happened there? Paul said to Timothy, I'm leaving you in Ephesus, not to work with all the church leaders, but to correct certain church leaders who have been teaching improperly. And so we'll talk about who they are and what they did and why he had to talk about that. After that, we'll talk about Ephesians 5, 15 to 6, 9. The title is Think Again About Submission, only because people think it's all about submission. The book of Ephesians is maybe the masterpiece of Paul as far as practical application. In chapters 4, 5, and 6 in Ephesians, he uh, has uh, sections that start this way. Therefore, walk. Therefore, don't walk. Therefore, walk. Therefore, don't walk. When he gets to 515, uh, he said, therefore, walk very carefully. And he continues on to be filled with the Spirit. And I'm talking about Christ and the church. So we'll find out that this passage really isn't about submission. But where does it fit? And we will uh, find out how that fits into marriage. Then we have 1 Corinthians 11 and 1 Corinthians 14. Both of these are in a book where Paul does something special. Paul has been receiving a letter from the people in Corinth. He's in Ephesus when he writes this. And then he's been hearing about Chloe's people. There's been a report that's come to him. And what he's doing is he's quoting what the, the false teachings are that they reported to him. And then he's refuting those. So if you want to skip ahead briefly, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, you can put quotation marks around verses 4, 5, and 6. This is what the bad guys were saying, and then he refutes it. 1 Corinthians 11, 4 to 6 is a quotation. And then he responds to that, and he, he's very complicated. He talks to the Jewish Christians in his response. He talks to the Gentile Christians in his response. He appeals to nature, which you never would do if you were talking to Jews. And then he talks to the church at large. 1 Corinthians 14 is very similar and pretty simple once we figure it out. Verses 34 and 35 should have quotation marks around them. And with quotation marks around them, then we, we realize what's going on. We go, oh, uh, he's quoting somebody else. These are the legalists in Corinth who are saying, oh, there's these rules we have against women, as the law says. And they had a thing called the oral law. 
But that's not the written law, and it's certainly nothing that refers back to uh, the Garden of Eden, as some people think. So we'll get to that, but to save yourself time and effort, put quotation marks around verses 34 and 35, and we're three-fourths of the way there. Here's the books that will work again. You've seen some of these, uh, having joined us earlier. Uh, think again about church leaders. Think again about submission. Think again about women and authority, which they say is the problem. And think again about women and silence, which, again, they turn that into a problem, and it really shouldn't be a problem at all. How do we go about all of this process of thinking again? Well, after Joy and I wrote the first two, the green books, and then wrote the other ones uh, up through book seven, I got to thinking, you know, we need to say what our practice is. How do we, get, how do we go about doing this? What, was our, what were the principles that we followed? What were the steps that we, we followed? And so I put together book eight, how to think again about the Bible. We're going to follow some of this as we go through even today. For example, the four principles. One, two, three, four. God is the source of, of all truth, and that's truth with a capital T. Uh, I think it was Gabeline who talked about that. All truth is God's truth. He certainly is the source of all truth that we have in the Bible. Number two, everything in the Bible has its own place. Don't go reading through the book of Job and expect to have a, a good worship time like you would in the book of Psalms. That's not the place for it. Don't go looking in Leviticus if you want to know, um, oh, what was the history of the early church? You're not going to find that there either. But there is a place for everything that is in the Bible, and it can teach us the overall view. Number three, everything in the Bible has its own meaning. When I was a young Christian, I used to uh, read things into verses. Yes, I did. I used to come up with my own ideas and say, oh, I know what that means. And later on, I found out I, I didn't know what it meant. And it was just something I read into it. I remember Joy and I went to a, a, a museum in Minnesota here. It had a, something from the 15th, 16th century, 17th century. It was a, what they called a creche, so it was a manger scene. And it was a beautiful uh, tabletop piece of work. It was a, a, a big presentation of the city of Bethlehem. Joy and I had been where this crash came from, which was in Amsterdam. And in Amsterdam, if you've been to the Grand Place, you see all of these tall, narrow buildings, and they have hooks that come out from the top of the buildings because uh, they didn't want to pay taxes for the square footage in the cities. So they made narrow but tall buildings, and then they had a little staircase, and to get furniture in, you had to have a hook coming from the roof and dropping down so that people could pull the furniture up and put it into their narrow floor. Well, in Bethlehem, according to this, there were narrow buildings with hooks on them. That's not really true. No, nothing like that ever happened in Bethlehem. Everything in the Bible has its own meaning, and don't try putting hooks onto buildings because it just isn't correct. Number four, and this is important, and this is why I love the Bible. The Bible is meant to change me. It's meant to change you. It's meant to change us. It's really here for us. If you'll read the end of the Gospel of John, John knew that when he put that Gospel together and he told it to us. So the Bible is meant to change me. If that's true, then the fourth principle that we're looking at right now is important, because Lord willing, it's going to change each one of us.
The Think Again Bible study steps. Here's the first three. Think again about the context of the passage. What do I mean by that? Well, I mentioned briefly Ephesians, and I talked about what happens in chapters 4, 5, and 6, therefore walk, therefore walk. The first three chapters in Ephesians are more theology. The last three chapters in Ephesians are more practical application. So where does a verse that you're looking at fall? Some people like to look at the end of Ephesians chapter 1. There's important verses there, the whole book, of course. But when you get to the uh, passage that we're going to look at later on in Ephesians 5, it's in that second part, the practical application part. Number two, think again about the content of the passage. What passage should we think again about? The content of the passage. All right, let's talk about 1 Peter chapter 3. Peter starts out with talking about witnessing to those who are unbelievers. He says, so that if any of them obey not the word. In Greek, there's what's called first class, second class, and third class conditional which means an if that's iffy, 50-50, an if that never could happen, and an if that is sure. And so the iffiness about 1 Peter 3.1 is that if any of them obey not the word, it's 100%. None of them are obeying the word. When you get down to the middle of well, verses 3, 4, 5, and Paul is talking about Sarah and the difficult life she had and how she had to trust God against terrible odds. Well, that's what the content of the passage helps us with. You see, if it's difficult to win your unsaved husband without a word, of course you'd be discouraged, and you could use a model like Sarah to help you. Number three, think again about the key image and or idea in the passage. We'll get back to that in more depth. Number four, think again about the verses of special interest. You may be interested in a couple of verses that turn out to be a subpoint in a passage. Uh, it was hard for me when I was trying to learn how to preach, uh, but they said, you know, you only have so long to preach about a passage. And if you forget the main points in a passage, then you haven't given the right main points to your sermon. The main points in the text should be the main points in the sermon. If you're interested in a subpoint, then maybe you ought to go to another passage where that's the main point. Or preach a long enough sermon that will allow you to develop it and get to the subpoints. Anyhow, we need to think again about the verses of special interest. Where do they fit? Are they subpoints? And if they are subpoints, they will be influenced by the main points around them. Here's the part I like, number five, think again about the points of application. What's it mean to be a woman or a man in the home or in the church or in the world, according to these seven passages that we're going to study? What's, what's the application about that? And then number six, because we've heard so many sermons, heard so many songs, read so many books that have not been right, we need to think again about what the passage does not say and make it clear, and start cleaning some of that, that excess furniture out of the attic of our minds. Think again about what the passage does not say, because there's lots of things it's not saying. Thanks for listening to the Eden Podcast, brought to you by the members of the True 316 Foundation. 
Research into the Old and New Testaments by Dr. Joy Fleming and Reverend Bruce C.E. Fleming forms the base of all our work. Joy is a former Old Testament professor and is a practicing licensed psychologist. Bruce is the author of the Eden Book series, which starts with Book 1, The Book of Eden, Genesis 2-3. to we invite you to become a donor member of the True 316 Foundation as together we seek to true the verse of Genesis 316 and related passages. When you become a member, we'll send you an autographed copy of the Book of Eden. Sign up today by going to true316.com member. That's tru316.com member.